We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are the steps you need to take to turn an aging roster into a young, dynamic, competitive roster that will continue to perpetually reload as we move forward? You may have a team that has some of the, the veterans in the game at the moment that are still at the high end, but in a year or two, if they are still sitting on your roster, it can be very, very hard to restock and reload. That's what we're going to talk about today. We have a couple of listener questions that have come in. We're going to look a little bit at those teams and talk through some of the scenarios as to I guess refresh those and keep those teams dynamic, young, and and looking to you know have a nice wide championship window open here, Sean. As them teams move forward, it can be hard for people, and that's a part we'll talk about today as well. It can be very hard to have a player that maybe you've had for the last three or four years. Maybe it's a startup draft that you had four years ago, and you've had some of the the leading lights of the NFL on that. And and how do you step away and? I guess, cash out on those guys to, to go for somebody who maybe isn't as proven, but is on that trajectory earlier in their careers. Always a topic, Sean, that we like to get into, but we tend to be fortunate when the questions come in or we look at our teams, it does feel like it balances very much to the younger side of uh, you know the age curve. But if you're on the, the opposing edge is what we're going to talk about today. Teams that are in with a shout in 2023, but looking to change how that goes beyond that. I think this is going to be a fun topic to dive into, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening in that will, like us, have multiple teams, and this may ring true for some people listening in. Exactly, and these older teams are interesting, and I think they're especially interesting coming off of a 2022 season where veteran rosters did quite well. You think about you know, best ball redraft. It was those first couple rounds that the vast majority of the scoring came out of other than some of the leader guys, some of the zero RB hits, those types of players. And I think that creates a more balanced landscape for either making some trades or letting some of these rosters play out a little bit. And Colin, as we usually do, we want to recommend taking sort of a, a multi-pronged approach or taking an approach that allows us to have multiple pathways to success. And so when we're looking at these veteran squads, I think especially at this time of the offseason, you want to be 
reluctant to move your stars, or you want to make sure that when you're moving them, you're getting very large packages in return. We know that the time period around NFL rookie drafts is very fertile for making trades. So this is a time period you don't want to necessarily ignore. And yet during rookie fever, there can be an inflating of rookie values, a deflating of some of these veteran values. So we want to make sure that we're watching that part of it too. Curtis Patrick had an excellent article out on the site recently about using the rookie draft trade window to win a title in 2023. And one of the things he's talking about there is that when you are on the clock and when you have some of these selections, especially if you don't like that player as a true foundation piece for you, even though you've been stockpiling these picks and you've been looking forward to that draft selection for weeks, if not months, if not perhaps even years, then when you're on the clock to go ahead and make the move to pick up a veteran instead in sort of a trade, I mean, that can be emotionally very difficult because it doesn't have, it just doesn't give you that same psychological boost that taking a rookie does. And yet we want to be aware of that possibility. And Curtis did that nicely in a draft that he and I were in together. He's got a great piece on how to do it. The flip side of that is that if you are the manager with the veteran player, you want to make sure you don't give that veteran away at that point because you feel like now is a chance and there's some pressure to do it. At the same time, if you get there and you're in that you know 110 to 203 range, your opponent, the opposing manager, is thinking, okay, well, there's a big tier break. I no longer want these guys. I had a player or I had a pick in this 110 to 112 area because I've got a championship squad. I would prefer to add another piece to that as opposed to taking one of these young guys with all of this risk. There'll be some opportunities there. You don't necessarily want to move straight one for one where you're giving away a Devontae Adams for the 111. If you turn Devontae Adams into Zay Flowers, there's a very good chance that your opponent is winning the title and you're looking at this pick a year from now thinking, well, why did I draft a guy who is the third or fourth option in a run-first offense? But if you can get multiple pieces, if you can get that rookie plus a 2024 first or move for three or four guys in this draft. Those are some things we have to take a look at. So Colin, let's dive into these two teams. We have two teams that are somewhat similar. I was like, hey, we're not going to go into every single piece, but in both cases, these teams have really interesting dynamic starting lineups. They actually both have Aaron Jones, which may be one of the <laughs> incentives or one of the pieces really pushing for the rebuild because Colin, I, I'm pretty optimistic, but I know that there are going to be plenty of fantasy managers out there who are not necessarily trying to create a lot of exposure to the early Jordan Love era, even when we're talking about running backs, because obviously the offense has to move the ball, has to score a lot of points to get you those goal line and red zone opportunities. We know Aaron Jones can score from distance, but you don't want to be only scoring from distance. We have some names like that. We have some names like Devontae Adams, like Stephon Diggs, like Keenan Allen. So very good players here. We have pretty good quarterbacks when we're looking at on the one hand lamar jackson and tua on the other a little bit weaker but very playable in daniel jones 
and we're obviously hoping Sam Howell. But when you get to the benches on these teams, there's really nothing. And you look at 2023, 2024, first-round picks, there's basically nothing. So we're left with really three different options, Column One would be to write it out and to write a lot of these players to zero and see how much I mean, in most cases, I'm imagining that the fantasy managers are mostly looking at glory here, right? When we have buy-ins for most of these leagues, we do want to win the money back. Every couple hundred dollars is significant to all of us, but you can't buy glory. And when you're playing with your college friends, with your work buddies, you're playing in the RV Triflex leagues over at the FFPC. And one of the things that you really want here is to be able to say, I won the 2023 title, or I won three titles in the last four years, or I made the championship and my team is on the up and I feel really good about this. So from that perspective, if we write it out, you're going to have a chance this year. You may have a chance next year. One of the things is a lot of these teams will look good right now. In six months, they might look terrible. In 12 months, they might look completely done. Or... We could see a little bit of a continuation of what we got this past season where those teams could actually be the title teams. One of the craziest things, I think, when you look back at the RV Triflex results from 2022, you look at the teams that had like the 112 or the 111, and you're thinking, well, this is a power roster. I'm going to go in here. This team's going to be difficult to beat. They may be difficult to trade with because they don't need anything. And then you actually look at the roster and you're like, 2022 was a weird year, wasn't it? And it's not to criticize those teams. They did very nicely. They got through. They accomplished what the objective is, which is to win. They're not necessarily set up that well for 2023. They're not necessarily as powerful as you might think because a lot of players you wouldn't necessarily want again this coming season were the ones who were league winners last year. So we can hold on, and that could work. We can sell now, and you embark on a full reload, which... If you're selling at this type of time of the year, especially if you don't already have some rookie picks banked, you're probably looking at a three-year process, which can be it can be a lot to go through, right? Or we can take a hybrid approach of heading into the season, seeing where we are, and making some very precision trades as the year goes along. One of the elements, if we get halfway through the season and we have a team that's battling maybe for the second buy. So for that number two seed, you've got the team that's right behind you. The two teams there may be in third and fourth. You have the team ahead of you. All of those teams are looking to get stronger and they're looking to neutralize you. Once you get into that time period, you have a lot more leverage both for deciding, well, maybe I just want to go for it or say, look, we're going to sell off some of these pieces, but we're going to sell them off for a lot right now because these veterans really are worth something. Colin, from your experience of these three, and it's not like there's one solution that fits all, though we're always recommending that you do. What's been your experience going through and trying to fix some of these rosters or sort of reinvigorate some of these rosters when they are older? Do you have preferences among those three approaches? It really depends on the roster, and I know when we get into these rosters a little bit more we'll expand on that but a couple of things before that sean to just go into a bit more detail on when you mentioned for example going into the reload and it can be three years one thing for people out there if you're going into this process rebuilds and reloads can happen 
much quicker than some people anticipate. The problem is, is a lot of people underestimate how much work goes into reloading the team in a quick fashion. So there's a lot of times where Sean's estimate of three years might be spot on on average, but you may do it in one year, but it may take five years. And those five-year ones are not going to be much fun in the long run. The other part you mentioned was with the veterans and with the way veterans played last year, if we look through the best ball ADP at the current moment in time, we do have Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, all in the first round of best ball mini for ADP as things stand at the moment. You mentioned somebody like Aaron Jones, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, those guys are going in the, the fourth round. So again, if you have those veteran players and some of these teams, when we go to talk about them now, do, there is still value there. But when we look at that kind of cliff that some of these players could potentially fall off, um, you know, it feels like some of those guys are at the end of their windows. And one of the approaches well, Colin, as you're that- mentioning there, I mean, best ball managers are betting that you have the title team if you've got a team stacked with those guys. Basically they are, but they also don't have to worry about next year. And that's the thing with Dynasty. You have to consider keeping this championship window open is not just about trying to win it this year. It's about a longer term plan. And that that is one of the obviously biggest difference. And I'm not breaking any news to people here who play in Dynasty Leagues. The difference is it's a, a more long term view with what you are trying to do. But that's just like in the, the opening round there is a huge percentage of that that is in that veteran territory. So the value and the appetite for people to have those guys on their rosters, or if there's a team who feels like they're one piece away, they may be willing to do those deals with you. But these two separate teams have come in from Cooper and the, the second team here has come in from Stefan, and we're going to go through those. And Sean, when you talk about one of the things that I would be trying to do that I like to do, and it's something that I'm going to probably recommend as we go through these, is... Looking at the roster, you mentioned that the teams are pretty good in terms of the starting spots. The depth is non-existent, and then the picks are not there for next year. So if it's the case that you have moved all of your assets for 2023 and 2024, basically into your 2022 season, a lot of the time you're going to have to try and, if the players are older, get those assets almost back out and move them into the future years, whether that's picks or players. So when we look just, for example, the starting lineup, in this particular roster is Daniel Jones at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Travis Kelsey, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Hopkins, and Sam Howell. So he has an, he has an exclamation mark beside Sam Howell. That's obviously because we, we like Sam Howell, but a little bit of a build there, Sean, like we would like to have as a starting lineup where the maybe not all the money is in those quarterbacks and you're looking to build it in those other areas. If you don't have the superstar quarterback kind of dropping down, a little bit of a level but if you look through the names there the likes of a jonathan taylor the likes of uh Diggs, adams allen kelsey even aaron jones and joe mixon deandre hopkins has a little bit of a boost in value based on the expectations that he's gonna be there obviously for the full season playing whether that's in arizona or somewhere else the way i would be looking at a team like this is based on not having assets this year and not really having much to go off next year is with some of those aging stars like adams like Diggs, like allen even a Jonathan Taylor, obviously a DeAndre Hopkins, and, and moving them into younger players. We we know with a Travis Kelsey, you know, the tight end one, you're going to be able to get other things and trade down and still have a, a strong tight end option and a, a team like that. As you mentioned, then there's there's nothing really getting you excited on the bench. The bench does have Alvin Kamara, but as an agent running back, it's going to be tricky to get a, a huge value back for him. 
with the players there sean that i mentioned and, and that would be my approach is when we talk about continuing to reload those rosters you're probably trying to move Devonte adams on last year you're probably trying to move keenan allen on two to three years ago when he's at his real peak of his value but that's kind of the range where stefan diggs probably is right now or would have been last offseason there still is the opportunity to get out of those guys would you be thinking about moving away from Diggs or moving away from the the more aging guys who you may not get as much for as a Stefan Diggs at this point but as much as I, I don't like to trade away wide receivers these are the the prime type of guys which like I mentioned at the start of the show people may have got you know emotionally attached to having them on the roster um you know getting you a strong finish potentially in one of your last seasons and then trying to move on from them can be hard but those are the the decisions that you really have to make if you want to keep that championship window open yeah and that's the tension that we have with an aging lineup and so this is not exactly the question being asked and this is not for me a criticism of the lineup it's more to think about how teams evolve and why do we do perpetual reloading whereas you know i do get feedback from time to time and it's not nasty feedback it's just thoughtful feedback in terms of you know, how do we really want to do this where people will reach out and say, I, I don't really agree with the perpetual reloading approach. I think you do need to think in terms of championship windows and then rebuilding windows and make sure that you are taking the assets of your team and pointing them toward a title when the team is powerful and then being willing to reload a little bit. So, and that's not to say that there wouldn't be some strengths to that. Most of the things that we talk about, there are going to be advantages and disadvantages and you're trying to work through which portion of it you think gives you the best overall chance so you look at a a roster like this and one of the reasons that we would do perpetual reloading is that a lot of these players would be great to trade and you would do that as part of a perpetual reloading mindset but because you're consistently reloading as opposed to rebuilding when you move them you would have a really deep roster to where your 11 through 20 is strong. You just slide somebody else in. Then you have those future picks that come from moving a Stephon Diggs or moving a Devontae Adams. Once you get into the type of roster where any individual trade weakens your team dramatically in the starting lineup, that's when the trade-offs become very significant and making a move has all of these other ramifications beyond just the trade itself. So the way that I would be thinking about this team is that this one is so powerful that I'm going to try and win one more championship with it, but I'm going to go in eyes wide open, just like the manager is who asked us the question, knowing that that could flip in a real hurry. Somebody looking at the individual players and the moments in time where if things don't go the right way, it's going to weaken the team to where we have to flip very quickly into a reloading mindset. The very first one is going to be with Sam Howell in training camp, where if he does not look like he's emerging as the clear starter, if there is risk that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the opening day starter or looks like he's going to be in the mix to start games you know, within the first month, then very quickly you go from two dynamic quarterbacks with rushing upside and one of the reasons why i love this team is you mentioned they haven't in all likelihood put a ton of resources into quarterback and it's one of the reasons why the other positions are stacked but despite that their quarterbacks could score a lot of points because both daniel jones and sam howell can run the ball 
And so you could have cheap quarterbacks who actually keep you. I mean, you're not going to stay completely in contact with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen just at the quarterback position. But these guys could score enough points that then the rest of your roster comes through and wins you a title. As soon as it becomes clear that Sam Howell isn't going to do that, and I mean, we're all hoping that's not the case, right? It, it wouldn't be such a talking point on the show if we didn't like the Howell upside. But you can like something and you still need to be aware of what could potentially happen. Howell would be the first domino to send this team into a reload. Joe Mixon, one of the guys in the flex here. You're not necessarily going to have to play him, but you would like to because of the way the rest of the roster works. Because if Joe Mixon is the starter, he should score a lot of points for you in the flex position. One of the things that you can do there is you can try and make hopefully inexpensive moves to get Travion Williams or Chase Brown. Right now, Travion, not very expensive at all. At least maybe get one of those two guys in there behind so you have a little bit of depth. And then we're kind of looking at the individual pieces and saying – if we do decide to reload, who do we need to move early and for a lot? And who do we want to give a chance to rehab their value a little bit? When I'm looking at this roster, I think that Diggs and Adams and Kelsey are all guys where if you sell them in the offseason, you should be able to get a future first plus. Really, everybody in this lineup should be a future first plus, with the exception of Joe Mixon. People shouldn't give you that for him. I mean, somebody might, but they shouldn't. Uh, Everybody else, and Aaron Jones, when you're talking about a running back in now a weaker offense who does have a running mate, I mean, you probably can't get a first-round pick for Aaron Jones either, despite the fact that, I mean, you look at, again, like the 9 through 12 in this last draft, is Aaron Jones better than those guys? In 2023, you better hope that he is, right? Well, you can go through and get first-round picks plus for these players, but if you're deciding to reload during the summer, you would move those guys who look really valuable right now Whereas the flip side of it would be, I think that Keenan Allen will go out in that first month and score a lot of points. His value should be higher a month into the season. Joe Mixon obviously could rehab some value simply by not being suspended or cut. And then DeAndre Hopkins is a guy where Colt McCoy running this offense, that's not necessarily ideal. I don't actually think this is going to hurt the passing options that much. I don't think it's going to crush Marquise Brown. I think it might help Trey McBride. And so if you're interested in some of these cardinals pieces and you see them deflated in your league because of what we expect to be a split season at quarterback with the cardinals i would go out and acquire these guys but so you would kind of split your roster into the players that you would reload now and the players where you probably want to see them play for a month you move into the season see what you can get see if that price really rises. Now, you do incur some risk because especially with older players, I mean, the reason you're looking at this in the first place is because these guys could fall off a cliff. I mean, if Keenan Allen goes out there and doesn't score like he did in the last month of the season, it, I think his ADP, and we've talked about it on the show, but his ADP is strange to me because he was one of the highest scoring wide receivers in the entire NFL over that last month to six weeks. When you look at his background, you look at that scoring profile, I mean, he should be more expensive. At the same time, there's no guarantee he'll come out and continue to score like that. They have Quentin Johnson. You've got a new offensive coordinator. It's always possible that Mike Williams could be healthy and productive for a short stretch. Mike Williams going ahead of him in drafts is absolutely bizarre. And I say that as someone who's drafted a lot of Mike Williams in the past. So we're not people who every year are like, don't draft Mike Williams, don't draft Mike Williams. That'd be kind of the way that I would be looking at this 
roster column. One of the things that's cool about this roster and cool about the other roster that we're going to look at quickly is that both of these teams, even though it's a starting lineup and then nothing, and so that limits the flexibility because there are so many great names on these rosters, it should be a fun process of going through the reload if you decide to do that. And you do have some flexibility there as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. There's a lot of flexibility, Sean, for what they can do moving forward. And one point I was going to make on that roster, but I'm going to hold it now and probably make a little bit more sense to the listeners as I talk through the next roster. When you think of names, just keep these in mind, the likes of Diggs, Adams, and Allen, who we're talking about there, and DeAndre Hopkins. The one thing that when you're doing a perpetual reload, you're keeping that championship window open. One of the things, Sean, that doesn't tend to happen is that you miss out on, you know, the next two years of first round picks it's very rare that you're going to be giving up your next two years of first round picks you're usually trying to pick up those extra picks as you go along but with those kind of age and wide receivers at that point the next team that comes in and the one thing i'll say about both of these emails they both do state that it could really go off uh, in a bad way very quickly so they're going in as you mentioned earlier with eyes wide open but this is a team with lamar jackson to uh, mac jones for example but then you get into the running backs, and there's a little bit more depth in this roster, but it's Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Fournette, Garden, players that are much older once you get past those those first two names, really. There is rookie depth added this season, but the wide receivers are where this team really stands out, and it is a case it's Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kendrick Bourne. But when we look at these, this, this core of wide receivers versus the first core, this is more so the way if you're trying to keep that window open and continue to reload your roster every single year rather than have a decision where you have three to four players that you're like, well, I need to move all of these guys this year and get extremely young. With the likes of Jefferson and Lamb, you have that time then to look ahead. And on a roster like this, Sean, 
there's not going to be a huge value for Smith Schuster, for example. But Stefan Diggs on this roster is the the clear player that I would be looking to move to try and restock the roster in multiple other ways to start off. And then I would be going to Samuel, then into Lamb, then into Jefferson. But when we look at the other roster, Diggs is probably the one who you're thinking like, well, he is the youngest. Maybe we keep him because you you don't really want to trade away your youngest wide receiver be left those older guys and then potentially get caught holding those older wide receivers on your roster in 2024 for example so this team to me feels like a much smoother transition to try and retool and you know for example this team as well no 2024 first round picks on on this roster these are our second round picks so when you're looking ahead for that you could potentially move two of these guys you don't want to be moving all the depth but this is much more in the zone of you have the young ascending wide receivers and then you can move some of the alternative options that are maybe in that kind of uh, age cliff range. Yeah, and this team is also interesting, I think, because when you don't have a clear-cut tight end, you have a little bit more difficult path to winning the 2023 title. And so that might not be as high a priority as it was for the previous team. Now, you also don't really have a, an RB2, even though you can play the two Packers guys together. And, I mean, that's not a very high upside way, obviously, to play the running back position, especially in the first love season, but they should score some points. The team has a Jeff Wilson. It has a Tank Bigsby. I mean, a lot of scenarios were more or less hoping those guys also don't have fantasy value, but they could come into some. The interesting element here really is at QB, where Lamar Jackson has now signed his new contract with the Ravens. That should tamp down so much of the stuff around him for the next, at least medium term, you would hope. They have added players like Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers around him. They're going to try and get him to run a little bit less but pass more dynamically. We know that he can get vertical with the passing. That Ravens offense can be a real blitzkrieg unit when things are humming and firing on all cylinders. So Jackson, even when you were kind of at the height of the uncertainty with him, was bringing big packages back. When you already have Tua, you already have Mac Jones. So you have two you know, lower-end starters, Tua, a you know, you could argue a medium to even kind of bottom of the top tier or bottom of, if you're going to put them in thirds, that top third that looks like potential stars, obviously the injuries knocking him down. The quarterback has so much value that if you are concerned about the viability of this roster and you're looking for a quick path to reload, as opposed to embarking on a rebuild, you can take the risky approach of moving your most valuable guy. Now, I have Justin Jefferson as the number three overall player in Dynasty, so that is higher than Lamar Jackson. But you have these QBs that almost the entire top tier in Superflex is going to be those premier quarterbacks. You have Lamar Jackson there. If you can move him for a low-end QB, someone that has gone out of fashion, but at least hopefully theoretically could bounce back. And then three elite pieces. 
maybe a couple of first round picks and a couple of second round picks or a couple of first round picks and an unfashionable running back who could jump in as a starter, maybe a really wide range of outcomes type of player where if you hit on that player, it really revitalizes your roster. If you move Lamar Jackson, then this team would be set for a long time because it does have that wide receiver foundation. It has young tight ends and Trey McBride and Noah Fant still really fitting in this category. And once his rookie contract is done and he can kind of escape the situation there in Seattle, there's a little bit of hope involved in the long-term view of Fant, but he's such a dynamic athlete. And those types of players, especially if they can play the tight end position, are in such demand you really feel like once he gets to free agency and teams who want him can go out and bid on him, then he'll be able to escape this Denver Seattle situation where really neither team that's had him has appeared to want him. So you would have these two young guys potentially dynamic there. Wide receivers are loaded. You're going to be able to add back at the running back position. You have, and you don't even have to trade Lamar Jackson for a package that includes a QB. You can do it without a QB and try and roll in the first season at least with Tua and Mac Jones. One of the things that you can do here also, and you know, in a lot of cases, the other manager will be a little bit reluctant, but if you're saying, I've got Lamar Jackson, and this guy is a multi-year champion in terms of this league, he's going to be a title winner for you for multiple years, you can go back to the person who has your first round pick and say, let's put a package together where I get that as part of it. I'm going to move Jackson to you. And then that gives you the flexibility of at least you control your pick then. And so if your team does really well, that's fine. If you do need to embark on that rebuild and hopefully slash reload, then it goes faster because you can control pieces of what you're doing in this next draft. So those would be the directions I would look at it. If I'm going to move Justin Jefferson or CD lamb off of this roster, though, it's going to take a massive, massive haul. Those are two guys that we do really want for the long term. Yeah, really do. But uh, Sean, sometimes drastic things call for drastic measures, but it's always fun to see trades going down with players. Like you mentioned there, like a Lamar Jackson uh, or a Justin Jefferson. If that did happen, it really can completely revigorate the roster but you you don't want to move in them if you can avoid it at any cost thanks again to cooper and to stefan for sending in those questions fun to go through something that we haven't really covered in depth on these shows we've been covering our own team that we've taken over recently we've been covering other teams that are maybe really struggling but when now teams is not something that we've covered in depth uh, over the last couple of months so fun questions to dive into hopefully you have enjoyed today's episode we will be back on friday for another show if you are signing up over at rotaviz.com as well as always as a loyal podcast listener you can save yourself 10 percent. maybe it's time you're getting around to that renewal for the 2023 season you can sign up for a one-year pass use the code rv radio 2023 at checkout and save yourself 10 percent get access to all the content and tools up on the website we will be back on friday as i mentioned and if you do so wish to do before that day you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland if you want you can obviously head over of course you should be doing this anyway check out all sean's content up on rotaviz.com but until we are back have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.